welcome to One Stop Shop, a weekly podcast that helps ambitious e-commerce entrepreneurs learn from the best. Brought to you by Convergia. To learn more about managing all of your tools, channels, and strategies from one dashboard, visit Convergio.com. In today's episode with Josh Mendelson, you're going to learn how to convert more site visitors into buyers. Today's guest is Josh Mendelson, the VP of Marketing at Privy. Privy enables you to create exit pop-ups, opt-in forms, and helps you grow your email list. In this episode, Josh shares his favorite strategies to convert traffic into buyers once visitors reach your site. Hi, Josh. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm very good. Thank you. All right. Tell our listeners a little bit about you and what you do. Sure. So my name is Josh Mendelson. I am the VP of marketing at a company called Privy, and we are focused on using sort of on-site messaging to help people grow their email lists and grow their e-commerce businesses. All right. So what exactly is on-site conversions and why should people care? Sure. So it's actually this sort of missing piece in the marketing funnel that people tend to not think enough about. So everyone's spending a lot of time and money on you know, building out a great website or building out a great e-commerce store that sort of speaks to anyone who could possibly come. And they're equally spending a lot of time on how do we get people to our website, whether that's through paid ads, whether that's through content marketing, whatever, whatever the strategy happens to be. And they're not focused enough on what we call on-site conversion. So what happens when some unknown visitor comes to your website and how does that person become a marketable contact and, you know, hopefully a customer once they get there? This is obviously super important, right? Both in terms of the effectiveness of your marketing tactics and your ROI, but also just in providing that sort of threaded experience from an ad all the way through to customer in the digital marketing world, we know a lot about a person when they arrive on your site, whether you have their name or not. So it's all about how do you take that information, use it to your advantage, and deliver an offer or some content that helps people become you know, email subscribers and ultimately customers. So what is the, to help me understand a little more, what's the difference then between making a really awesome site, e-com site or whatever it is, and having the content, and then what you're talking about? Sure. So we're talking about things like pop-ups and banners and bars and flyouts, things that engage a visitor to your site proactively when they get there, right? So if you think about it this way, you know, marketers don't like to admit it, but we're all in the sales business, right? We're all in sales. We're selling a product. We're trying to move people through the funnel. Most websites take sort of one of two approaches. They either take what I call the the orange leaf approach. Um, orange leaf is one of those frozen yogurt places, self-serve. You go in, you pick up all of your toppings. You know, my son mixes 27 flavors into one cup. It costs a fortune. But by the time you're done, you have to beg some ordinary teenager to come over and actually help you buy, right? So they're really doing nothing. You're totally on your own. The other approach is sort of the used car salesman approach of, you know, attacking you with, with offers the second that you get to a site or, you know, it's buy now, buy now, buy now. Both of those things are missing the opportunity to pop up messages that are super relevant to the visitor based on the things that they're doing on the site, whether that's launching a pop up campaign that, you know, welcomes someone to a site, 
offers them maybe a discount on their first purchase, but waiting a few seconds or waiting till they've scrolled down the page to really consume some of what you're about without jumping right on top of them. Things that help you move through the experience without being overly aggressive. Okay, that makes a lot more sense. Mm-hmm. All right. So, how do you map on site messaging to the customer journey? Yeah, so it's almost like well, the way I always recommend doing things like this, and maybe it's because it's I'm old now, I'm 41. Use some pen and paper and some logical thought, right? This, is, this doesn't have to be rocket science. You need to think about where people are coming to your site from, what their expectation is, and what is the message that's going to be most relevant to them, right? So if it's someone who's been to your site three times, for example, maybe they're poking around, but they're unsure about, or they haven't made a purchase yet. Think about that mindset and think, okay, this person probably hasn't found the product that they're looking for. Maybe I should ask them to sign up for my email list so that when the new collection of products comes out, they're the first to know. You know, something like that, where someone who's a regular visitor or a regular buyer, maybe you just want to welcome them back and say, you know, thank you for coming back as a token of our appreciation. You know, here's a free gift or here's a piece of content you might be interested in. If you, if you think about that more, if you're running a blog as part of your e-commerce site or even as part of any sort of selling site, you know, thinking about like, what is the message that is on the blog versus what might be in your store to think about, is there additional content that you could be pointing somewhere to? Is there more thought leadership or you know, behind the scenes type of information you should be thinking about giving to these people? Basically just saying, who are they? What do I know about them? And what's going to be most relevant? This is sort of like marketing 101 stuff, but we kind of forget about it on the web for whatever reason. And instead you see too many websites who are doing sort of a one-size-fits-all set of messaging. That's a, that's a very good point. But when you're on, a, on the web, I mean, how would you know if the person is not, let's say, if they are not signed up with or logged in with um, an account? And let's suppose that you can't really track them because, I don't know, you know, kids these days, they're getting... By the way, I disagree with you. 41 is not old. <laughs> I'm so offended that you said that. <laughs> and I'm not even like, I'm in my early 30s, but anyway. But kids these days and, and millennials and, and pretty much everyone really knows how to try to avoid these things, if you will, and not get tracked. And so if their browser doesn't allow for you to track them, and I mean, how would you know if they're a return customer or a first-timer, if that makes so sense? That, so that does, that does make it more difficult, for sure. But there are other things you can infer there. You know, so you will know what page they're on on your website. What are the things that they've done on that page? How far have they scrolled down the page? So it does put a little bit of a damper on it. But I'd also say that the media coverage of you know, things like ad blockers, for example, or, or no tracks or people who are browsing in incognito mode, mm-hmm. it's really a small portion of people. You know, it's between you know, 15 and 20% of visitors to your site, maybe lower than that are actually blocking that sort of tracking. You know, but I think you want to use a combination of whether that's, you know, the cookie things that, as you said, may run you into a problem, but also just some smart thinking about like, okay, they're on my blog, they've scrolled down 75% of the way of the page, there's an opportunity here. Or they're on a product page that 
you know, or it's a collection of red sweaters. There's an opportunity here to say, sign up for my email list to find out when the new collection of sweaters comes out. And that doesn't require any cookie tracking. That's just understanding what they're doing on the page at the time. One follow-up, and it, this might not be the best place to ask, and you can um, avoid the question <laughs> if you want to. But are there certain things then, like if, if I'm using a service such as yours, um, that I, as a business owner, would need to include in like my privacy policy, that type of thing? It's a great question. I don't believe so. I mean, in Europe, you know, anytime you're, you're using cookies on your site, you need that sort of pop-up bar that explains that. In the U.S., that's, that's not a requirement. You know, so I think it usually falls within any standard privacy policy. Mm-hmm. You know, I can, I can say, and I know any action that we are tracking, we're never sharing personally identifiable information of any kind without an opt-in. Right. So if someone signs up for an email list or to get a coupon, they are accepting certain terms. Mm-hmm. But any of that other tracking information is never, never identifiable and never shared. Yeah. Yeah. And then definitely it wasn't didn't mean it accusatory because I mean, pretty much no, every, no, 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 every no. website's doing it in some capacity. But it was just kind of curious to have the premise of that level of which some some people obviously like your company view as good. And then maybe, like you said, the smaller percentage may not of just being able to better cater. I mean, really at the end of the day, if you're using it appropriately, it's to better cater to your audience. But I was kind of curious what the legality was behind it. Yeah, I mean, I think you just touched on the thing that's so interesting about this topic to me is when used appropriately and used effectively, everyone sort of loves what's possible with this this sort of technology. It's like, oh, look, Netflix (laughs) is recommending movies I might like. This is great, or Amazon, or, or whatever else. You know, some people obviously take it too far. I think it's an interesting topic, and it's one we think a lot about. I mean, another thing that has been getting a lot of coverage, for example, is is ad blocking and, and things like full screen takeovers, which Google is certainly cracking down on, especially on mobile devices. The next version of Apple Safari is going to have some built-in things around full-page ads, and again, with some, some built-in ad blocking technology. And we get questions about that all the time. And there's sort of apples and oranges to some extent, where there is definitely a crackdown that's happening over things that are interrupting the experience from a third party, right? So if you click on a link in a Google ad or even just a a straight link from Google and you get to a site and the thing that you're experiencing first is not what you expected, Google's going to penalize you for that. So if you have a third party ad server that's popping up a full screen ad, especially on mobile, like that stuff is definitely being cracked down on. That's sort of one version of pop-up that, that is under intense scrutiny. But things that are being launched specifically by the site itself, not a third party, are under far less scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, it, just, it simply just makes sense because, I mean, it, it falls in line with what you were saying to begin with. It's paying attention to the user experience and then making it better and making it appropriate because... I would say most listeners out there, including myself, just I lose it when I go to a website, like you said, especially on mobile, and all of a sudden I get slammed with three, quote unquote, opportunities to opt in, and I didn't even get to read the content that I went there for to begin with. (laughs) Yeah, it's like when people are getting started, one of the things that that we always talk about is is like, think about the experience that you would want to have, or think about the experience, like take your digital world and imagine it in real life, right? Like you walk into a store, what is the experience that you want to have there? 
and try to replicate that online. I think where people go too far is, you know, it's sort of the just just because you can doesn't mean you should is sort of the the operating principle there. Mm-hmm. Like I I remember the early days of you know marketing automation where I was at a company and I guess this was like 10, 15 years ago now. And it was like the first time we were able to pass real-time leads to our sales team. You know, they'd get notified when, when someone came to the site and they'd get an email in their inbox and the sales team was like so excited. They would jump right on it and it freaked people out. Like, how do you know what page I'm looking at? Why are you calling me right now? And that was obviously sort of a different time and place, but we had to build in like a 30 minute delay on those notifications just to not create this overwhelming experience for people. Cause as, as you guys know, I mean, people now are looking for help buying far more than they're, they're looking to be sold, you know, and that's just sort of a fundamental difference in the way that people shop now. That's a perfect segue. What are the best kinds of offers and deals that you can add to an e-commerce store then in order to drive those conversions? Yeah, I mean, I think discounts do still work really well for e-commerce stores. You know, I think varying the way that those are delivered is really important. You know, so if someone's coming to your site for the first time, I think you want to you know, give them an opportunity to look around and then maybe offer them a discount on their on their first purchase. That works great. Sweepstakes actually work even better where someone can enter to win a larger prize of some sort. We just rolled out uh, what we call a spin-to-win wheel, which is highly engaging for the consumer where they get the opportunity to win one of a number of different prizes in the form of coupons or free gifts. And all of those things convert really, really well. The question is, what do you do with them afterwards? Right. So there's sort of multiple parts of the funnel. But I think discounts, sweepstakes, always effective. But you have to think about your brand, too. I mean, I was talking to one of our customers couple of weeks ago and she was just like listen i don't do discounts i provide a, a high quality product at a fair price and i have no interest in discounting that and the more and more i've been thinking about that conversation a lot because i think it's really important like you don't have to use a discount there are other ways to incent people whether it's a free gift or whether it's content or some behind the scenes view or maybe it's just better service or, or free shipping things that don't undermine your own brand are also extremely effective. So you have to think about, you know, what is what type of brand do you want to be and match your offers to that brand. What about B2B? So B2B is interesting too. I mean, you know, things like exclusive content or proprietary research tend to convert really really well. I think what you'll find is that, you know, content is very powerful because it helps people decide whether or not they want to engage with a sales rep in a, in a B2B situation instead of forcing a, a sales conversation on folks. That's always effective. You know, discounts do work in the B2B setting too, especially in the small business world where it doesn't require a rep. So that's all, that all works extremely effectively. I think the nice part in B2B is if you're investing a lot in content, you may not have to offer something amazing to get someone to sign up for your blog or become an email subscriber if you're already producing really high quality content. You know, people are looking to be taught. So if you're investing in that area, you may not have to give anything away that's financial or that takes, you know, a real heavy lift piece of content that frankly, most people don't want to read anymore. What about 
exit intent? How does it work? So exit intent is an incredibly powerful tool for e-commerce stores. And basically what that means is when someone goes to leave your website, that then we're showing a message, usually a pop-up, but it could be a banner or a bar, that allows people to speak directly to that use case. So if we're tracking your click movement and we detect that you're moving towards that X to close a tab or towards the back button, potentially even scrolling back up the page, we can show a message there. And, and things like, wait, before you go, sign up for our list or wait, before you go, there's a special discount on your first purchase today and really allows you to speak to that specific use case. It's also great for potentially saving carts. If you sort of combine exit intent with something like cart value targeting, where you know how much money is in someone's cart, you can provide them with a different discount or a different reason to buy today before they go away based on the amount that they're going to spend. Yeah, I, I love exit intent. I know like an example for me, SiteGround, one of the website hosts, like if you're on this little secret for the audience, if you're on their site and you're in specifically that page where you can buy the hosting and then you start to leave or whatever, so your your cursor hits goes up to where the X is, like automatically a pop-up will come up and it'll go, whoa, slow down, here's a coupon that you can save a little bit of money on this purchase. And so I, those even for me personally, I've really enjoyed because they're not that intrusive like it's not you're not just getting slammed when you show up it's oh hey there is an extra incentive for me to hang out or stay a little longer yeah i think that's exactly right i mean i think people are looking for you know it's sort of like that nudge that gets people to to take the action if used wisely it's like they're already engaged they're just a little on the fence Mm -hmm. but it's a great opportunity just before someone disappears into the ether you know make sure that that you have captured their information so you can continue marketing to them because otherwise they're kind of like a ghost in the night. Mm -hmm. So how would I get started with pop-ups or other on-site conversion type messaging? You know, I think the the thing to do is to keep it simple in the beginning and sort of continually iterate over time. We have some customers who, you know, all they do is use our free plan to, they have a welcome message says, join our mailing list. Some of them to get an offer, some, Without an offer, there's this one called Four Ocean, which is a really cool organization. They basically they sell some sort of jewelry that helps them fund ocean cleanup projects. And literally, they have a single pop up that welcomes you to the site after a couple of seconds, asks you to sign up or join the movement, as they say. And they've gotten thousands; they get thousands and thousands of signups every month without doing much. They, you know, it's probably an hour worth of work to do that. Other folks, you know, are, are doing similar things and seeing great results. I would recommend sort of three things to start. One is sort of that general welcome message. The second is an exit intent pop-up that has a slightly varied message that speaks specifically to the fact that someone's about to leave. And then the third is I might add a bar at the top or bottom of the screen that allows you to feature something like a customer satisfaction guarantee or you know, a free or free shipping or, or some sort of smaller message that's omnipresent on your site. Right. So, um, you know, with all that being said, we are living at a time when um, social media is just, it's everywhere, right? So in this age of social, why is it still important to grow your email list? 
Yeah, it's actually, you know, it's 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 a great question. I remember, I guess, a few years back, I actually worked at a, a big email marketing company and was dealing with all of the email marketing dead questions, which continue to sort of float around once a year. Someone will put out a report saying, hey, kids don't use email. It's like, yeah, they don't have jobs either. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> there's that. But I think, you know, email is is still... It's a very personal part of people's day. It, it comes directly to them in their inbox or on their phone or wherever they happen to be. And it's still incredibly impactful. In addition, it's, it's such a more permanent experience than what you might get in a social feed. I'm not saying don't do social. Like, absolutely, social is important. But the ability to you know, save a coupon or save a message that's, that's important to me for later so much easier to do with email than with others. Now, I will say the notion of the email newsletter, you know, maybe not as important as it once was, but email itself is still by far the most impactful channel in terms of actually driving action. We hear from customers all the time that, you know, and I've experienced this myself as a marketer, you know, every time you send out an email, you get some sort of result back. You know, that's just simply not, not the truth around various social posts, which are a much longer sort of brand-centric game, it's way out of your control. It's much easier to sort of dip into the, you know, or fall out of the algorithm of these various sites. So what do you consider a good welcome email series to look like? Yeah, it's a a good question. So again, it gets back to sort of the the same notion of a threaded experience. So you want to, you want a couple things with your welcome series of emails. One is you want to speak directly to the thing that someone signed up to get, whether that was a straight sign up for my email list, whether that was a blog subscription, whether it was to get a coupon. You know, right away, you want to confirm that action and make sure you're giving them a permanent email that that has all of that in that, whether that's a coupon code or a link to a PDF or whatever that happens to be. So that's sort of the, the right away. And then I think you want to map, again, map it to your business. So if someone has, you know, if you're an e-commerce store and someone's downloaded a coupon, think about the different things that someone might want to know to make a purchase. So maybe you send that, that first message, which is sort of the autoresponder. Then you send a reminder a few days if they haven't actually made a purchase, again, with the coupon in it, reminding them. Then maybe a couple days after that, you might want to send something about sort of why you got into this business in the first place, right? You're a small business. You're competing against much bigger players, like make it personal. Tell a little bit of your story. Maybe give some behind the scenes information. And then, you know, start thinking about what products they might be interested in based on the things that the coupon that they might have downloaded to start. If it's something like a blog subscription or a download of a PDF, you know, similar thinking like, okay, here's here's the auto response confirming what they ordered, sorry, what they downloaded. You know, maybe three days later you send something like other related content they might be interested in. Three days after that, maybe something else that, again, tells a little bit more of your story and, and the things that are important to you. And then sort of maybe you back off, you get them on your regular newsletter schedule if that's something you're doing. Or maybe at that point, if it's a B2B, you think about introducing the product or, or sales process or, or whatever that might be. But I think it's important to think, what are the things that I want someone to know about my company that will encourage them to think fondly of me and sort of move through the through the funnel over the next 
two weeks while they're still really interested in what I have to say. All these sound like automated emails and they're all uh, good things to do or to implement at some point. But if, if somebody had to start today and maybe prioritize what automated emails are most impactful in your opinion? Yeah, so that's, I think there are two things. One is definitely that instant confirmation of what you've done, right? Like that is the most important. You're making a strong brand impression in two ways. One is you're following through on, on exactly what you said, and you're taking the opportunity to introduce yourself in a more personal way than you would on, on your website. So that's, that's hugely important. That's probably the most impactful automated email you can send. I think the second most impactful is actually an abandoned cart email. So if you, if you have a, a registered user and they've got something in, in your cart, in their shopping cart on your e-commerce store, and they haven't completed a purchase, if you know who they are, that sort of automated email is just huge for bringing people back to either complete that purchase or, or make a different purchase. So if I had to pick two, that, those would be the two that I would invest in. What about to the people that tell you, um, you alluded to it earlier, the people that say email marketing is dying, what do you say to them? <laughs> I tell them they're crazy. Now, um, <laughs> it's, it's not that they're crazy. I think it's evolving. You know, I think the, you know, so, like I said, I mean, I worked at Constant Contact for, for a few years, and, and I think, you know, people were still adjusting to the, to the email marketing world and, and sending these long-winded newsletters. And, and I think those are, are going a little bit out of vogue for two reasons, actually. One is because consumers just don't want to read that much. You know, people don't re- want to read in general, but they certainly don't want to read you know, 5,000 words in an email format. You know, that's not mobile friendly. Even if it's mobile optimized, it's not mobile friendly. And the second is it's just a lot of work you know, for you as a business to try to come up with that content once a month. But I think the, the notion of automated emails and shortened to the point emails, there's a company called Drift that I love what they're doing with email, you know, which is you know, once a week they send something that's maybe 50 words on a topic and links out to more information if you want it. Very casual, very friendly. Absolutely still email marketing, but it's evolving to meet the way that buyers are, are interacting with email these days. But if you look at any of the, any of the data out there, by far the best ROI in any year of digital marketing is going to come through email. I wish I had the stats in front of me, but I, I know there were a couple out maybe a month ago that it was like 300% greater ROI on email versus social media. I think that was the number. I'm gonna, yeah. You can quote me on it without a source. <laughs> Lovely. <laughs> Lovely. So you mentioned one thing I'm interested in. You mentioned that people prefer shorter, but I've actually heard pretty solid arguments of both sides of it. Like if if you're interested in a topic that you'll read it. And then on the other hand, you have the like, don't make me think type philosophy of just keep it dead simple as possible. Is it more situational or do you think one is just objectively true and one is objectively false? No, I think it's definitely situational. I mean, I think there's a growing appetite for that across the way. You know, everything had gotten so short a year ago or a couple of years ago, that there was really a craving for long-form writing. I think within emails, I think people aren't dying to read long-form within the email itself. So I think linking out to something far more substantial is a very appropriate use of time if, you, if people are responding to that, 
sort of thing on your site, whether that's a long PDF or whether that's a, you know, a white paper or whatever it is, you know, long blog posts. I think that those still perform really, really well. It's just making that your only point of contact can be a little bit dangerous. You know, there's, well, it annoys me as, I guess I can't say I'm an old guy. You already yelled at me for that, but, um, you know, the, <laughs> You know, I'm a lot of people, you again. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of folks will put in their blog posts now the sort of TLDR, too long didn't read. And it's like, well, I don't know, that feels pretty lazy of the of the reader. Like let them <laughs> let them make their own choices. I'm guilty of that. I'm not gonna yeah, lie. <laughs> no. I mean I mean I skim I certainly skim blog posts all the time, but I think, you know, you need to think about what your audience wants. I mean, I, I worked in the market research space for a long time. And those folks will read. I mean, they want tons of data. Absolutely. They want, you know, so it's if really in the topic. I think if you're interested in a topic, you will definitely read it if it's right. a long one. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, you know, the only thing I would say pretty definitively is that is that people don't want to read the full body of that within an email. Sure. Right? They, they want to get the headline and, and a few sentences or a couple of highlights and then you know, save that for when they're ready to invest more time. Yeah, I've definitely seen seen emails that were super long. Even if the topic was interesting to me, it just felt awkward to have all of that information in the body of the email. So right. I would rather have like a summary in the email and then maybe a link to a blog post or a video or whatever where I can continue with the same subject if I'm interested in more. I feel like that just makes more sense. Yeah, yeah, totally. All right, well, this is, um, this is a... Very interesting topic. There's a lot to say. Where can our listeners learn more about this and about you? We actually just finished up a whole part of our website called Privy Academy that really talks through, I think there's about 30 articles on it. Um, and it really talks about sort of the basics of on-site conversion and on-site messaging up to some more advanced e-commerce optimization stuff. And that's just at privy.com slash academy. So mm-hmm. I'd recommend that. There's you know a bunch of good different sites out there. We're certainly at privy.com. You can read more about sort of our product as well. But if, if you're just interested in, in learning how you might be able to apply it to your business, I, I recommend checking out the Academy. I'm really excited about it. Cool. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Thanks for having me. And this was fun. One Stop Shop is a production of Conversio. Let Conversio's all-in-one dashboard run your marketing so that you have more time to run your business. Get started for free at Conversio.com. In our next episode, we talk to Austin Browner on a topic that will revolutionize the way you do email marketing. In terms of e-commerce, there's people who basically would be pre-purchase. Then there's basically from, if you think of it as like a kind of a bell curve, as they go up the curve and become and are making more and more purchases, there's kind of the second section of the life cycle, which is the customers. Kind of in the mid-range, you're looking at people who are VIP, MVP type customers, people who are spending more. And then there's people who are churning. If you were to think of a life cycle as a bell curve, that's kind of the way that you would picture it. Ever wonder how your store ranks against others? Now with Convergio's free tool, StoreGrader, you can learn about key metrics like your revenue, product, and customer data in comparison to other online stores. Sign up for free at Convergio.com. And this podcast was made in production with my agency, Come Alive Creative. Podcasting is one of the fastest growing mediums to date. 
Learn more about how a podcast could work for your business at comealivecreative.com. Convergio, sell more, do less.